Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Your Financial Mission. I'm Mark Haywood, as always, alongside Janine Theus. She's the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors. She is your financial commander serving you in Columbia there in Howard County. And of course, we thank you for joining us today. And you can always check out past podcast shows and get more information about the practice online at TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. Janine, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks a lot. Well, we're certainly glad to have you. And Janine, I was doing some reading the other day and I came across this interesting saying. The saying goes, you may have heard this before, smart people learn from their own mistakes. Geniuses, on the other hand, learn from the mistakes of others. So I want to talk about some popular retirement regrets and find out what we can learn from other people instead of making these mistakes ourselves. How about that? Uh, that, that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> the first regret I want to address, Janine, is premature IRA withdrawals. Why is that something that you've seen people regret in the past having done? Well, depending on where you are in your time horizon, when you start taking IRA monies out of the IRA, assuming this is after 59 and a half, and you won't suffer the penalty, the 10% penalty that comes with that, you're taking from the future and there's a lost opportunity cost for that. So for instance, if you take $50,000 out of your IRA to go pay tuition or pay some pay down the house because you think you have to do that, the lost opportunity cost is what that 50,000 could have earned. And over a period of time, that earnings potential is significant. So when you're taking it out too early, you're gonna pay the penalty that you could have avoided if you had waited it's going to prevent you from experiencing the growth you would have had on the money. So that lost opportunity cost is a concept, but it is a very real concept, especially in accounting. You lose that potential. And that means in the future when you probably need it more because you've replaced your human capital with invested capital, it's not going to be there. Right. And Janine, now I know I'm just a Joe Blow on this topic, but help me out with this one because the solution seems quite simple. And that's that an IRA has a purpose. And that's, you fund it until you retire, and then you start withdrawing from that. And it seems like if you just sort of abide by that basic concept that you'd be fine. Is there is that right? Well, that's correct. But the reality is life gets in the way sometimes and people do need money. Right. So you've got to begin to look at budgeting. What does it cost you to live now? What do you think it's going to cost you in the future? And if you're having trouble with your budget today and you're making money, you're, you know, you have an income, what's it going to cost you when you're retired and you actually have to depend or there's a lot of pressure put on the invested capital. So if you don't do your budgeting, you're not going to really know or have some peace of mind about what that's going to cost. So that means you could be not saving enough into IRAs, 401ks, et cetera, 
or you're spending too much in yes. your peak earning years. It can be called lifestyle creep <laughs> or mission creep, as I call it. But as your income increases, a lot of people will just spend more because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses or they, you know, there's newfound money. They want to go have more, do more. And they forget that you have to have some delayed gratification for this money, that it has to be there in the future. So you really need to look at, in your peak earning years, saving a whole lot of money. And here's the reality. A lot of people don't start really seriously saving until they have kids. Mm-hmm. So you're talking 30s, 40s, sometimes 40s, 50s. Now I have a huge amount of catch-up I have to do because I didn't save enough in my 20s and 30s. I was busy spending it. Right. And I want to show some grace there because I understand that. And I understand, too, that you get to that phase where you have been saving in your 20s and 30s when you're just starting out and you're trying to you know, live month to month or you're trying to put a little bit away. And then when you finally get that big salary or the dream job or wherever it is you're trying to go with your career, suddenly you have a little more flexibility. And so I understand that you want to do more with that. You want to do more with your family. You want to be able to provide, but you want to be able to go on more vacations. And so I understand, I think, where people are coming from, where the temptation is to spend more. But at the same time, just because you're making more now, you still need to, that doesn't excuse you from putting that money away for the future. Right, because it really comes down to the choices you make. I had someone say to me recently, well, you know, you've been working now and you're doing pretty good and it seems like you should have more. They don't know what I have. But, you know, it's just an interesting conversation point. And I looked at this person, I said, you have one child, I have four. Right. That tends to change a lot of things when now you're in your peak earning years and your money tends to go towards things that involve children. That's a huge lifestyle creep. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have children because <laughs> I think they're the greatest. That's gift. not what this show is about. We're not trying <laughs> to put right. that out there. <laughs> but you have to realize that the choices you make about what you spend your money on are very important. And that doesn't mean you can't go spend things on a whim occasionally. But you can't, you know, you don't go to Disneyland every year or you don't go on these very expensive vacations with all your kids and family if you need that money later. And it's always, I would say, better to be more prudent. Most people hit their 50s, at least around here in Harris County, they're making more money than they've ever made. Fantastic. Now we need to put it to work for later. So, And that's a really important thing where budgeting comes in and don't take too much, don't spend too much, et cetera. Right. And I think some of that creep too, it's not even just vacation or keeping up with the Joneses. Sometimes that lifestyle creep can sort of disguise itself for good causes. And what I mean by that is you get to, like you said, 40s or 50s, you're making the income you've always wanted or needed for your kids. And now, like you just said, you want to look out for your kids. But at the same time, you need to make sure you're planning for the future. They're going to be taking care of you one day after all. And another regret that I've seen is people overpaying for college tuition. I mean, that's something that it's a good cause. You want to look out for your kids. You want them to be well-educated, but you can overpay for that tuition. And I think that'll come back to bite you later on. What do you think about that? I completely agree. In fact, I just had a family in here. They brought their kids and it was great. I love doing that is meeting with the whole family, the clients and the adult children. One tuition is exorbitant and we can have a big conversation yes. or debate about whether the price of tuition is worth the education that a lot of kids are getting. That's right. I mean, spending $65,000 a year for your child to be a teacher is a pretty hefty bill to walk away with. You're at a point in time, if you're in your 50s and, you know, 60-ish, 
if you're paying for your child's tuition, you are sacrificing your retirement. So the question is, when you run out of money, will they let you move in with them? Yeah. Because that, that might not be the case. I do think that kids need skin in the game. You can always help them pay down the loans. But paying 200000 150000 for tuition when you're so close to retirement, especially if you have more than one child, is not economically prudent. So maybe they don't go to the out-of-state school. Maybe they go to the in-state school because nobody really cares where you get your undergrad. You know, and a lot of undergrad programs are just uh, feeder programs for graduate programs. So who's going to pay for that? You know, you can't get locked into that. My kid needs to go to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, whatever, if you don't have the assets. You know, if the kid gets a scholarship, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, don't compromise your future to help with this situation. If they're on the Mr. and Mrs. Smith scholarship, then you want to make sure you're, yeah, you're not compromising that future. And it also seems like, too, with that, that you can get the same level of education at a local school that you could in going out of state. And I'm not saying that advocating for community college or whatnot over the University of Maryland here, but I am saying that if it's Maryland versus going to Harvard, you're still going to be getting a top-notch education at a fraction of the price. And I'll never forget when it was time for me to apply to college in North Carolina, where I went to school at the University of North Carolina. You know, you had Duke, you had Wake Forest, and UNC. And on the East Coast, I mean, we just have so many good schools. And in that area in particular, there was always kind of this debate, and I never understood it looking back because the public school was just as good as those other two private schools in their education. And that's not the biased sports fan in me coming out either. I mean, I really believe that some of the public schools in this area of the country are just as good as the Ivy Leagues, if you would. Absolutely. And again, you know, you're going to get the education that you put the effort into, generally speaking. So if you want to go to one of those Ivy League schools, go as a graduate student, potentially. Right. There are many ways to skin this cat. What I think is that a lot of parents who are so devoted to having their kids have this great education don't really stand back and say, what is realistic? Mm-hmm. And how much of this decision is shouldered by the kid sure because you know you don't want to sacrifice you've sacrificed up till now you don't necessarily want to sacrifice your retirement right i sort of always think back to that analogy of you're on an airplane and they always tell you that if cabin pressure drops whatever that means and the mask drops down put your own on before helping (laughs) out your kids and and it sounds so sadistic but then you realize that you're not going to be any good to anybody if you haven't taken care of yourself and so i think when you're in this situation where you're paying for your kid's college in 30 years, when you get sick and somebody has to take care of you, if you haven't planned for that because all of your money has gone into your kid's tuition, they could end up spending way more on your health care costs 30 years down the road. That's exactly right. And so, again, just make sure that's not one of your retirement regrets. We're talking about retirement regrets. And another one I want to get to with you, Janine, is retiring too early. So the We've paid for our kids to go to school, maybe paid for the big education like we've just been talking about. Now we're empty nesters. It's time to relax. I want to go ahead and retire. Why is that dangerous and why can that lead to regret? And this goes back to our first point about budgeting. If you haven't figured out how much it costs you to live, this is going to hurt you in a number of ways. A lower level of accumulated savings. You're starting to draw down those savings earlier. 
taking Social Security too early, which is, you know, we can talk about that in a minute, but all these savings issues and drawdown issues come right to front and center if you haven't figured out what your budget's going to be and whether you can meet the budget for at least 25 years. If you retire at 60 and you're healthy, you're going to probably live into your early 90s, especially as a couple. There's a greater sure. chance that that's going to happen. Well, especially with that's modern medicine. Years. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there's 30 years that you need to plan on having some income from somewhere. And a lot of people don't have pensions and they're going to be relying on Social Security. But unless you are making at the max indexed wage for Social Security, you might be $1,500 a month or $1,800 a month or maybe $2,200 a month. That's not a lot. That's poverty level if that's all you have. So you have to look realistically at whether retiring early makes sense. I know a lot of people want to be done at 60, depending on their jobs. Can you start a business? Can you work part-time? I think working part-time is a great idea because it keeps you fully engaged, or at least part-time engaged with interacting with other folks and keeps you mentally and physically alert longer. And there are all manner of studies that show that. But drawing down savings earlier will put you in a compromised position and you may very well run out of money. Taking Social Security too early, well, there's an earnings test to Social Security. If you take it too early, you may not get your whole benefit depending on whether or not you're whoever else is working or, you know, where you're taking your money from. So you could get a smaller monthly benefit. If you wait till at least full retirement age, you will at least get that benefit. But again, Social Security was never meant to be a retirement program. Yes. I think people have forgotten that in the the years that have gone by, the decades that have gone by since that came out back in the back in the day, so to speak. And I think people expect that to be a vital part of their retirement when really that was only ever designed just to be a supplemental piece. And so if you haven't planned for the overall picture, I mean your overall retirement portfolio, if you don't have a comprehensive plan, then you could find yourself in trouble. And I think one thing a lot of people look back on and regret, Janine, is a different part of the plan now, but ignoring opportunities for Roth IRAs. They saved, but they wish they'd, you know, maybe they look back and wish that they'd saved more in a tax-free account instead of having everything in a tax-deferred account. Well, Roths, it's interesting. Every time Congress gives us a really good deal, they will sometimes shave that deal back. (laughs) So you have to be really careful. If you're making a lot of money and you need the tax deduction, then you're going to be putting money in 401ks and regular IRAs. There is an income limit for Roth IRAs. So if you're married filing jointly, that limits about $183,000. So for a lot of people in this area that they don't qualify for Roths, unless the Roth is a Roth pocket on your 401k, the DRAC it's also called, that allows you to put money there. There are some limits to accessing the Roth. It's five years or 59 and a half, whichever comes first. So again, it's got a limit as to when you can access the money. But you can do some Roth planning or after, I'm sorry, tax-free planning around that. That might make sense if you're planning to work longer so that you can save more in the Roth. Because then you've got tax-free distributions forever with regard to your life and the spouse's life. There are some rule changes that have happened for non-spousal inheritors of Roths. 
But a lot of folks are not really looking at this in a holistic manner to say, what are the different buckets that I can put money into that allow me control and flexibility and maximum opportunity? So people are starting to pay attention to these more. I see uh, younger people now looking at them. And if you're making under $75,000, you probably should look at putting money away in a Roth. Let me make another point about Roths. A couple years back, there was a big push to get everybody to convert to Roths. One of the regrets that a lot of people have had is when they made that conversion, there was a big tax bill due. Now, yes, you're going to pay taxes on any conversion. If you're going to think about that, you want to plan it out strategically to take a big tax hit because you want to ostensibly have tax-free income later may not make sense because that tax, let's say you converted $300,000 out of an IRA to a Roth IRA. Well, that just stacked on top of your ordinary income that you make for the year. And that's a hefty tax bill. That tax goes away forever. And there's a huge lost opportunity cost on that tax. So when we're considering Roths, it has to fit into the plan. And yes, people, you know, that are older might regret not putting more in the Roth earlier on. So folks in their 20s and 30s should absolutely consider that as part of the strategy. But it's very situational. It's specific to your individual situation and your goals. So that's really important to remember. And that's something we talk about all the time on this podcast is that retirement planning is about what's best for you and your unique situation. There are all kinds of investment tools out there to get you where you want to go, but it's just like going car shopping. You got to make sure you get the car that's right for you. I mean, you're not going to get a Ferrari if you have a family of five that you're trying to get the kids to soccer practice every day. And so make sure you have a plan that's custom tailored to your specific needs and your specific situation. Don't look back with retirement regrets when you could be prepared for the future by simply calling Janine Theus, your financial commander at her office there in Howard County, calling the number 443-718-6311. When you call in, you'll speak with Gracie. She'll get you in for a visit with the team. Again, that number to call is 443-718-6311. And Janine, what happens when somebody comes in for a visit with you and the team? The first meeting is always a conversation. We have to decide if we're a good fit to work together. Can I help you help solve your problems or your situation, you know, your goals that you're trying to accomplish? So the decision to move forward happens from there. But generally speaking, the first meeting is a conversation about where you are, how you got there. Is it working? Is it not working? What keeps you up at night? That's right, Janine. It's just a conversation to get to know you and a little bit more about your financial situation and if the team could be of any help. So we thank you for listening to the podcast today. Again, if you'd like to come in for a visit, you can do so by calling 443-718-6311. That's 443-718-6311. Well, Janine, we thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time on Your Financial Mission.